May the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, the one who comes as king and servant. Amen. Amen. So for today's reading, we take a huge step back in John's gospel. In fact, when I was looking this passage up earlier in the week with some other people, I was amazed at how far we have to move from where we have been working through those chapters in John through Lent to where this passage comes in. All the way back to chapter 12. The last thing to happen in the gospel before this is that Lazarus is laid from, raised from the dead. And everyone has started to hear about it. And that's what stems this great procession. But this procession breaks up into three major parts, right? There is this great proclamation parade procession. There is all the enthusiasm and joy of waving palms and taking off our garments and throwing them on the ground because Jesus is king. And what kind of king should touch the ground in the dust of the earth? It is far too holy for him to do that. So we must prepare the way, right? Make a holy path. And then there is this struggle between what is coming and what is. The Greeks go to the most Greek of the disciples, Philip, and say, hey, we want to see Jesus. We don't really get this. See the news, it's starting to spread. And they're like, Jesus? But, huh, okay. And Philip doesn't really know what to do, so he goes to Andrew, and they kind of go to Jesus, and Jesus, it never says if he sees the Greeks or not. He kind of goes on this whole thing about, you've only got me for a little while, and the light is only going to be here for a minute. And this is the beginning of everything that we have studied. This is Jesus' intro into the fact that he is going to die, and the preparations for that death for his disciples. And this moment of celebration and praise, this parade, becomes a moment of resistance. A place where what is and what will be don't really line up. A place where they push against what is coming. And we hear that all through, right? We hear Jesus resisting and the disciples pushing and then Pilate urging and then Jesus not until we finally get to the cross. The crosswalk is not what it used to be, and that's okay, things change, but it links this piece, right? Part of why stations of the cross or the, the paschal procession or um, the passion procession has become a thing in cultures and in communities is because it connects this parade, this joyful celebration, to that funeral procession, right? To that moment of brokenness and pain, that moment of sadness. As we finish up our thoughts and feelings on grief, we're left with this place where we kind of have to synthesize them all. 
once we accept that Jesus is going to die, that Jesus is king and that Jesus is turning the whole system on its head and that the world will never be the same because of what Jesus is doing in this week set apart, we're kind of pushed outside our safety zone. We're pushed outside our understanding of okay. We're okay with a Jesus who is king. We can celebrate that at Christmas, right? We can celebrate that at Christ the King Sunday. We can celebrate that even here on Palm Sunday. Jesus being Lord of all doesn't really bother us. Jesus being God is good. We like that. The idea that God is with us, Emmanuel, right, is another one of those great Christmas themes that we can carry through winter and fall. The idea that Jesus is God over all and can raise from the dead is a theme we will lead hard into next week. But there's that question. Can Jesus really die? And what does that feel like? What is that grief? What is that pain and suffering? What would it be like to be in Jesus' funeral procession? Who are we in these parades? Are we the people who witnessed the resurrection of the dead through Lazarus and gathered with palms and coats to worship and praise? Are we the ones who like it the way it's always been and the comfort that that brings and start to push against the fact that Jesus is kind of inciting a riot, right? Crucify him, we said on Wednesday, right? Crucify him. That's not the way we know church. That's not the way we experience Jesus. It's not the way we've done it before. And so we struggle with Jesus pushing back. Does it it maybe push us past what we've done in the past and into a whole new place that we don't know what's coming next and we don't know what to expect? Death always kind of does that to us, doesn't it? pushes us out of our comfort zone, brings us into a new place where we don't know what's next. We don't know what life will look like past this point. And it doesn't matter if it's the death of a person or the death of a lifestyle or the death of something else. It doesn't matter what we lose. When we lose something and we start to move forward, we are always left with the question of what will the next step look like? What is the future? That's terrifying. Because we don't like that. And the older we get, the scarier it becomes, or so I am told, right? Because there's more and more sureness in the place that we have stood for so long. And less and less security that there's a next step that the future is for sure there when we step out. The fear is that the next thing lost might be ourselves, 
our own lives, who we are. And that's really scary. But the promise is that no matter what, God will be there. Even in this week where we look towards Jesus' death with clear and true eyes, even in this week where we recognize that parades can be joyous occasions, full of love and hope and celebration, they can be movements for justice and peace and equality. And they can be processions of sadness and brokenness and hurt and suffering. They all do the same thing. They all lead us forward following Jesus. They all lead us forward towards the cross. They all call us to give up what we know and stop staying in the same place we've always been and boldly go where Jesus is showing us. And while the kids may have guessed every emotion in the book, because my cover-up game is bad, as Andrew pointed out, I love you, buddy. The truth is, this week is full of those emotions. Our life is full of those emotions. As we have walked through this season of Lent, we have been through them all, right? We have bargained. We have denied. We have accepted. We have doubted. We have tried everything to get out of the game. And Jesus keeps saying what? I'm with you. I'll be here. My promises are true. Where I am going, the Father will take you. And it might not be today, and it might not be tomorrow, and it might not even be in three days. But God has always kept the holy promises. And if we're honest with ourselves, God has drug us through some real stuff Real stuff. And we have really resisted getting our poop in a group about it, right? And did God ever quit on us then? No. So why? Why now? Why would God give up on us now? God won't. God doesn't. That's not what God does. There is no reason after 150 years God would give up on St. Paul's and Reed City. There's no reason that God would say, oh, we got nothing left to do here. Our work here is done. Thank you very much. Now, we've stood in the same place for a long time. We've done a lot of the same things the same way for a long time. We have grieved a lot of things for a long time, and we always will. There are ghosts that sit in these pews. I know it. 
There are people you can see that are invisible to me. There are stories that you will tell that I will never know. But what I hear in all of them are the same things we celebrate, remember, and triumph with today. There have been times in our lives as a congregation and as individuals where there has been joy and excitement, where we have followed down the palm-covered road of a joyful parade. There are times in our lives as individuals and congregation where we have worked for justice and equality, where we have been the protest movement of the community on one side or another. And I'm not saying that in a political protest way. I mean in like a faithful protest way. It is an act of resistance to say that God loves people who our world says is unlovable. It is an act of protest to treat all people with dignity and respect. There have been times where we as individuals and congregation have led the funeral procession where we have lost and been heartbroken, where we have bared the burdens of Jesus and the world, where we have stood in the comfort that God gives us in hopes that we might comfort others. And that in all those things, God has been with us. In all those emotions, God has understood us. When we were angry and told God that he could take a seat, go to wherever God goes when we're mad at God, his room, right? God has stuck with us. God has kept loving us. So on Thursday, we'll do some weird stuff. You're right, guys. It's weird. The kids are very rarely wrong. I mean, they're right. It's weird. But you know what? In that weirdness, we'll find Jesus. And if you don't believe that it's weird, listen to Peter's story. He'll tell you. You're not doing that, Jesus. Not to me. On Friday when it's all too much, when we stand at the cross with our prayers and hopes and dreams, when we think, how can Jesus die? We'll remember that we sit at coffins and ask the same questions. We've sat at funerals and wondered the same things. We've visited friends who have gone through unspeakable tragedies and heard the same question out of their mouth. And yet what we know is God knows. God understands that moment in a way that is beyond us or our words. When we stand at the tomb and we look in, when we're not worthy to be named most of the time in biblical stories, and we're the first to proclaim good news. 
when we're just trying to do the bottom layer of work so that it gets done. And we are surprised and shocked and amazed. God will be there. Celebrating holidays always brings those things up. And while I know that the Christmas holidays bring them more up, the winter holidays seem to have a much higher emotional level to them than Easter. Some of you will make deviled eggs and think, man, so-and-so really loved deviled eggs. They could eat like six of them in a sitting, and I'm not really even sure how. Some of you will remember kids long lost coloring eggs at your table. And you'll say, huh, I miss those days. And I will say, please come borrow mine. I have three egg kits you can have. We will all have moments of grief this week. And in the midst of that, we will grow. We will push ourselves past what was expected. We will look at things with new new eyes and new lenses because God will call us to see something different something new this year in our holy week take a week set apart in the midst of what is broken and hurting and look for Christ's presence and even if it's not met with joy and excitement of today know that this week there is a day There is a day and a service that will meet you where you're at. It will help you accept who Christ is for you in your life now. And that will call you to grow past where you've been and into a new life which is coming. Amen. Amen.